Tom Kisslingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. Fellas, we had a lot of fun last week doing our team-building exercise where we looked at the most recent DLF ADP, chose a player from every single round for the first 15 rounds at least, and built a team based off of it. I think we all built championship caliber teams in year one. Let's see if we can do it again this week using Superflex. Before we get into all that though, let's bring in both of my cohorts. Matt Price, how you doing bud? Doing well. Excited to talk Superflex. Why are we even talking about single quarterback anymore? Uh, there's a few out there that still do that single quarterback, living that single quarterback life, right, Ryan? There, there are a bunch actually, but yeah, we we do we do enjoy super flex leagues ourselves. So this one this week might be a little more fun for us. Yeah, it's a little more fun, and we had a lot of fun last week with that episode. Uh, the twist we put into it is that we can't choose any of the players that we selected last week around last week's pod, uh, which was which is fun because we all get to talk about other players that we like. So we're we're gonna go position by position. Um, again, you can't take two players from the same round. We have to fill fifteen roster spots. We're we're filling ten starters, a quarterback, a super flex, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end. And two more flexes plus five bench spots. We're, of course, assuming super flex and PPR. So if you're in one of those leagues, this episode is going to be super helpful, especially if you have a startup coming up soon. In super flex leagues, guys, tell me about your general philosophy, first of all, Ryan. You're you're dipping into that quarterback market early, but thinking about those running backs and receivers, right? I think a few years ago when, when I really started playing Superflex is about the same time that wide receivers were dominating the tops of drafts and uh, almost everybody was waiting on the running back position. Uh, so I, I simply chose to focus on building my teams around quarterbacks instead of wide receivers and really treated running backs about the same. You can't do that anymore. Uh, now, if you're focusing on quarterbacks early in rounds one and, and two, or, or really either one of those, then you are, uh, you're, you're bypassing the top young running backs, which is tough to do, like you said. So it's, uh, it, it really just becomes a balance at the top, but I, I certainly want to come out of the top two rounds with at least one quarterback. Yeah, me as well. Matt, how about you? What's your general philosophy when it comes to the quarterback position? Uh, again, I mentioned last show about those kind of those top five guys. And if I can come away with two of those top five, 
I'm doing it. I know I'm sacrificing uh, some opportunity at maybe, you know, some more some positions that uh, are a little bit more difficult to fill. Um, but I really like to come away with that safety. One of those guys, uh, you know, Mahomes, Dak, Kyler, uh, Lamar Jackson, and, and, and Deshaun Watson. So uh, if I can get two of those guys, I'm definitely doing it. If not, then like you guys, then I will stick with one of those top guys uh, in the first two rounds uh, and then probably play a committee approach for my quarterback too uh, after that. But the ideal would be able to come away with two top guys in the first two rounds. Matt, what you could do is take that quarterback in round one and then take a quarterback in round two and then and then take another quarterback in round two again <laughs> like you did last week, right? Just hey, grab, you know, if it works, it, if it works, it works. Just... <laughs> if you could pull it off, I like off, to trade right? in startup drafts. I'm telling, just saying, I'll, I'll trade around and do it and make it happen. All right, let's 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 get to the quarterback position because we all value that that position, the the signal caller, as it as it were, uh, when it comes to these super flex leagues and and really the three of us all dipped into the position, but we went different directions. Matt, you kick it off. Talk about your quarterback one and how how in the heck did you get the number one pick last week and take CMC? And then this week we start a super flex and you get the number one tick, pick and take Mahomes. You know, I'm just I'm really good at rolling dice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. My my rusher on 100yard rush.com is just he's he's, you know, he's he's CMC. Solid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um no, I mean if if you're going to give me one player to take in, in round 1, it's going to be Mahomes. I just feel like he has the the he's the safest, the highest upside at that position. Uh you need two of them, so I mean, I don't know what else he has to prove. He's he's the 101 easily for me in a super flex format. So, uh give me Mahomes all day there. Yeah, it's not quite as easy for me. I love Lamar and his rushing upside and the floor that that offers. So I might be crazy, but I think that was just a splash of what Lamar Jackson could be. He He's improving still as a passer and will continue to offer that rushing upside, those 8 to 15 rushing attempts and, and opportunities at the goal line to score. Those could increase as well. I think Lamar has just as good a shot to end up as the quarterback one as Mahomes. So I chose Lamar in this exercise. Ryan, you went even younger than the two quarterbacks Matt and I chose and and waited till the, I guess, the third quarterback off the board, right? Yeah, I took the QB3 according to our Superflex startup ADP over at DLF. I took Kyler Murray. I mean, with Mahomes and, and Lamar, both of those guys obviously still very young, both under 25 years old. So it's... It's not a, a huge age discount, but you look at Kyler Murray at 22 years old, and uh, he was already scoring as a QB1, as a top 12 quarterback in his rookie season. And, of course, they have, have majorly upgraded that offense with the trade for DeAndre Hopkins and the uh, contract, the new contract for Kenyon Drake. So I'm, I'm really excited to, do, to see what Kyler Murray can do in the coming years, and I'd be glad to anchor my – super flex team with him yeah and maybe they can keep him on his feet this year a little bit more than they did his rookie season with that offensive line those upgrades they tried to make across that as well so we all invested in the quarterback position in round one there was only one of us however that went qb in round two however that was that was matt price yeah, like I was saying, if I can get two of those top guys, uh, I guess I would have had to trade up again to make this pick. Um, 
but uh, Dak Prescott in the second in the second round, uh, he feels like a, again like a just just a value there. Um, obviously, a question mark with uh, the contract, but you have to think that they're going to get that done. And we already already know they added C.D. Lamb in the draft. The offense just looks it just looks unstoppable at this point. So to have the quarterback for, for that as my quarterback too, and and feel good and and, and you know we always say you know I'm going to have this player on my roster for ten years. You know maybe that doesn't happen, but if I wanted it to happen, I'm pretty set at quarterback for the next 10 years i would say yeah that offense should be unstoppable hopefully they have a coach that doesn't pump the brakes (laughs) on that as he has in the past ryan you waited a little bit longer than all of us to get that quarterback too uh went with the veteran route in round eight uh yeah actually i grabbed uh i grabbed another quarterback in round four Oops. Uh, I, I did, <laughs> that's all right. Oh, you uh, listed grab- it wrong. He, he's your super flex. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that is actually kind of part of my strategy. We talked about it a little bit um, uh, last week. You, you get the young quarterback first and maybe he's not ready to start. You know, maybe you grab Breeze or Ben or Brady or Bridgewater, whoever that could serve as your short-term starter. So I take Joe Burrow in round four and uh, whether he's ready to start or not in year one, I, I also uh, added, as you mentioned, in round eight, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. So uh, I get three quarterbacks in the first eight rounds, two young guys who could uh, could and, and should be my anchor for the team for, for years to come, and then uh, Ben Roethlisberger for the short-term uh, help. Uh, to to cover both of those guys. Ryan, I really like what you did there. Love love the Burrow pick. I did the same thing in round four. Took him as my second quarterback. Would have loved to go Big Ben, but we decided we can't do, we can't pick the same players as last week. So I had to pivot. I took Jamin Winston as my third third quarterback. Um, obviously, this is the long play. Drew Brees ahead of him on the depth chart. Hopefully, Jameis. If not in New Orleans, then somewhere in 2021 is the starter and can uh, can be that third quarterback for me. Matt, you were thinking along the same lines. Yeah, I wanted to grab uh, either Winston or Cam Newton late as my third guy, having those two solid top ones and, and be able to have that third guy either, you know, in case an injury happens or just for some trade capital, you know, but that is a situation where, you know, if Cam comes back strong, uh, in a super flex league, I ba- basically can write my own ticket with with Mahomes or Dak if I elected to go that way. So I think it offers a lot of flexibility uh, once Winston becomes a starter again. Uh, so uh, I, I'm with you. I think that he's going to take this year off, learn from one of the best in the game, and then he's going to be a starter again in 2021 and offer uh, you know just as just as much, if not more, upside as he did last year uh, in 2019. But hopefully without those interceptions, you know. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that coaching staff can fix that whole thing. And you never know, maybe it's in New Orleans. Maybe that's where his second career really kicks off. If that's the case, that's an ideal landing spot for Jameis Winston. So he's a guy I'm investing in in those super flex leagues, especially right now as the landscape looks so bleak for him. Uh, going forward as we did last week guys uh, let's jump over to the other single starter position that's tight end uh, where where all of us waited just a little bit on the position the first one of us of course to to take a tight end that was Ryan McDowell which is a bit surprising wow that is a surprise (laughs) Uh, I grabbed Tyler Higby in round 10 again definitely waiting on the position and and i think 
uh, we all know that in the super flex format, uh, everything else, every other position kind of gets pushed down as quarterback is propped up and, and gains so much value. Uh, so adding Higby in the 10th round, uh, he's, he's young enough that I think I can get multiple years out of him as a starter. Uh, but we, we saw that breakout. The, the other 10th round tight end was TJ Hawkinson, certainly like him as well. Uh, and, and even though I rank Hawkinson higher, I feel like Higby is a guy I can plug in immediately. So like you talked about last week, Ryan, you like to balance that, that youth with the veteran guy that you count on now. You, uh, you, obviously, that was the play with, with having the ability to, to look at how all these picks are going to fall out. You saw where Higby went. You saw where Hawkinson's going to go. You saw the other options later in the draft. You must have seen uh, a young tight end that you could add to Higby at, at, at that position group. I did, and that's the great thing about the tight end position right now. There's so there's so much youth, so much upside. Uh, certainly, not all of these guys will hit, but players like Mike Gesicki, he's a twelfth rounder right now in this format, along with Dallas Goddard, who I chose uh, last week. Uh, actually, Goddard is an eleventh rounder. Sorry, but um, Johnny Smith, Ian Thomas, uh, Irv Smith, all in that. 13 14 range i went even lower than that uh actually outside of the top 15 rounds that we're we're really focused on today and took jay sternberger in round 17 Ooh, i love that pick pair him with higby hopefully jace hits is an upside play you have him as well as higby uh matt let's bring you into the conversation uh at Really at the position you talked about last week that you don't mind age, but when you dipped into to the tight end position this week, you, you went for one of those younger guys. Yeah, I did. I, I chose Goddard. I think Ryan took him last week, and uh, I, I was not going to get away from him this week and that late in the 11th round. He you know he was basically a tight end one last season, and I know that a lot of that had to do with the injuries that happened with the Eagles, but uh, you know I, I think he's... He's ready to take over for Ertz now if he needs to. Uh, so uh, he's probably not going to receive the same volume with you know them bringing in Rager and the rest of the receivers um, that they brought in this 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 off season. Um, but uh, I do think he's still going to be on the field. I think twelve personnel is still going to be something they're going to want to run you know a decent amount. So uh, and he's going to have that touchdown upside and and really in any and basically every week. And we know that if you score a touchdown as a tight end, you're already a back end tight end one. Uh, that's really all you got to do. So to be able to get that guy there. Uh, I'm happy to do that with the way that the rest of the roster shook out. Don't count on that yet. Just, just quite yet, Matt, just because they added a few wide receivers doesn't mean God is not <laughs> going to be on the field. Uh, he's a sneaky play, especially in these super flex leagues all the way down in round 11, man, what a steal. I went that route as well. He can, he, Ertz can be there. Ertz can be healthy. And it really feels to me that Goddard has that like high end tight end two type of floor still on a week-to-week basis because of how much Doug Peterson and that coaching staff wants him on the field. And, and as, as Matt, you said there, they want him on the field in the red zone and down in the scoring range where he can use that size and that boxing out ability that he's shown so much already in his young career to, to make plays in the end zone, come down with those touchdown catches that mean so much to us as dynasty owners. Matt, Ryan already mentioned his second tight end, Jay Sternberger. I think we both like that selection. We Not only did we pick the same 
tight end one, we, we went the same route in as our tight end two. Another young tight end, second year tight end with upside. Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing to add about uh, uh, Goddard before that is that Ertz, you know, there's an out after the 2020 season for in his contract. So uh, he is signed for quite a while longer and, and down into 2022, I believe, 2023 maybe, but there's a good out in his contract in 2021. So we may be looking at the starter uh, in just a year. Uh, and without with Ertz out of the way, who knows what Goddard's going to do, probably be good a point. top five tight end there. So, um, but yeah, and then I went upside again at the backup tight end position with Irv Smith. Uh, again, a, a team that you know, there's a starter ahead of them, you know, theoretically in Kyle Rudolph, but we're not excited about him. Uh, and this is a team that, you know, it, it's going to lend itself really to be a, a 12 personnel dominant offense, I think, uh, because we have now that Stefan Diggs has moved on. We again, but, but we still have two receivers there, right? We have, uh, of course, Adam Thielen, and then they drafted the rookie and uh, Justin Jefferson. But you know, I, I think Irv Smith has a chance to be the 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 second, or I mean, the third option for sure, and maybe even the second option in that passing offense. Clearly, I think showed that he's already a better receiver than Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph probably is going to get a lot of, of those red zone looks, I bet. Um, but Irv Smith, I think, could be the guy between the twenties we're looking at uh, at the tight end position for the Vikings as early as this season. So excited to have him on the roster and the upside that he presents. Yeah, and a potential flex play. Really, for for those of you that have him as your tight end, too, I did the same thing, as I mentioned, Goddard with Irv Smith Jr. Uh, really like his value in the 14th round and able to add that add to that position uh, with the youth. Dis- despite Rudolph being there, it really feels like with Diggs moving on that there's the potential for Irv to have a standalone role, even, even though Rudolph could be that guy in the red zone. Like you said, Matt, Irv could be that guy in the middle of the field and turn any one of those plays into a big play. Uh, hopefully it's in the week that... that uh, that your starters on by because it's going to be hard to hard to decide in 2020 what weeks to play Irv Smith Jr. Uh, barring a injury to Rudolph, of course. So now that we've talked about the quarterbacks and tight ends, we should take a quick break and talk about our friends over at DynastyOwner.com. Do you think you're smarter than those NFL GMs out there? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Well, here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager to coach. Dynasty Owner is for the smart, elite fantasy football player. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters, free agency matters, and every contract matters. Come to a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL player contracts and salaries. Then improve your team each year with a three-round rookie draft and by trading players and draft picks. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. For more details and to mock draft for free on desktop and mobile browsers, Learn more and mock draft for free, as I said, at www.dynastyowner.com. So we've covered our quarterbacks and our tight ends, guys. Let's go go to the meat of our rosters, really. And last week, we talked about running back first. I want to talk about wide receiver first. Because, Ryan, you you did what you talked about earlier. You like to build around that 
that wide receiver position, and and maybe you went a little earlier than you suggested last week when you when you doubled down on the running backs early after going quarterback in round one, and and maybe getting that running back in in round two. We'll talk about that in a minute. You went right back to that receiver position that has treated you so well over the years. Yeah, I did, and and part of that had to do with the uh, the running back options in round three. Um, and, and we can, as you said, we'll, we'll get to those. But uh, for me, they, they just weren't appealing. So I, I did look at wide receiver in round three uh, and grabbed DJ Moore there, who is a third rounder in super flex startup ADP, not one quarterback ADP. But uh, DJ Moore in, in the third round really feels like a slam dunk pick and kind of, kind of a cheat. He's 25 overall. So he's, he's the 3.01. We've, we've had a few of those guys sneak in, but again, if, if you can pick any player in the round, why not grab the the best one, the most valuable one? Uh, so starting with, with Kyler Murray at, in the first round, adding DJ Moore in the third round, uh, I like where my team's heading. Yeah, I like where that's heading as well. I didn't do the same thing. I waited. I, I spent those mid picks on, as I mentioned, Joe Burrow, a couple of running backs. Uh, I went with Cortland Sutton and not until the fifth round. So just like last week when I waited on the wide receivers, I chose to do the same thing this week. Cortland Sutton, the big-bodied guy, the red zone target that can still uh, dominate in the middle of the field. He's he's the kind of guy I want as my wide receiver one, and to get him all the way down in round five feels good despite the, the question mark maybe at quarterback and and the addition of the the other talent on the offense it feels like Sutton is a great value in round five Matt you waited until the fifth round to grab your first receiver as well yeah I I normally don't take uh, a rookie as my first receiver but that's the way it, it, it broke down this time that doesn't mean necessarily he's going to be starting for me right away you know I took some guys later that can, can certainly fill into that spot but the first one I took was CD Lamb uh, again, uh, the, the Dallas, Dallas offense, super excited about it. He, Slam's going to be the one, I think, that starts off in the slot. And I do think he can be moved around the formation. I, honestly, all three of those receivers, I think, can can be uh, – uh, you can do that with. Um, but Lamb, I think, is going to start out there. I think most receiving yards from the slot in college football last season, uh, I believe that's the stat. Um, so I'm excited what he can do there. And while I may not count him as a starter in year one, I bet I'm going to get some pretty usable weeks out of him in year one. Yeah, nice pick for sure. And because you dipped back into the position so often throughout the draft and grabbed those veterans that can start particularly early in the season and maybe throughout Lamb's first season, uh, it's a risk worth taking, really. Uh, I went back to the wide receiver position in round six where I took Terry McLaurin. Ryan, I believe you took McLaurin in round six last week. And you mentioned he's a value. He doesn't really belong where he was in ADP. This feels like a value as well, uh, sliding all the way to the sixth round, the upside that he showed in year one, the fact that really the Redskins didn't bring in anybody to to really supplant him as the top receiving off uh, option in that offense. Feels like a vote of confidence for Terry, Mc, Terry McLaurin and his upside for dynasty owners. To get him in round six as my wide receiver two feels really good. Matt, what did you do with your second wide receiver spot? It's weird, Dan. I took 
I took Terry McLaurin as well. Nice pick. <laughs> you know, I've one of my one of the kind of rules that I have been following the last several years is just kind of avoid Washington. But you know, they have some intriguing players now. And one of the concerns I had with McLaurin uh, in terms of adding him earlier this off season was, you know, I, I really did think that they were going to bring in someone that could potentially, you know, take that top top target role away from him in Washington. Uh, they did bring Antonio Gandy Golden in the draft, which I who I do like quite a bit, and you know. Uh, Antonio Gibson we talked about last week is, is certainly takes some of those targets but it seems like McLaurin is locked and loaded as their wide receiver one now you know if they could just figure out that quarterback position they would uh we'd really have something here yeah perhaps <laughs> uh you don't you, you maybe don't have the same amount of confidence in Haskins as others uh certainly the the jury is out on that uh so now we're through really six rounds of of taking court uh excuse me wide receivers uh in round seven ryan you got your second wide receiver it was tyler boyd uh i, I did grab uh the player i expect to be my wide receiver too in in round seven but uh before that i i added a couple of rookies uh, I took C.D. Lamb just like Matt in round five. I took Jerry Judy in round six. And uh, really those picks kind of determine the direction of my team. I talked about focusing on youth last week, certainly doing the same thing here, except with uh, with those rookies. I already added uh, Joe Burrow as a rookie previously to that. I, I think that probably puts me in um, – probably puts me out of the playoff hunt in year one but as i've written about in the past i'm i'm okay with that as it will come with a a good draft pick in 2021 so uh jerry judy and cd lamb and then in round seven uh tyler boyd who who i do think will be a solid uh wide receiver too this season so you have dj moore and you have boyd in that starting lineup also added that that continue to add that youth with lamb and judy and beyond that continued to add more wide receivers really yeah just like last week i think last week i went rounds three through seven all wide receivers basically did the same thing here uh ex- other than burrow in round four and we said it earlier in the show that the, the quarterback's gaining value pushes everybody else down so to get hollywood brown in round nine and miko hardman in round 11 uh, th- those just feel like huge steals, and uh, th- those are the picks I added. So really young wide receiver core. Man, I can't imagine entering season one, year one of a startup, and have DJ Moore as your wide receiver one, which you feel great about, but then piling up Tyler Boyd and Marquise Brown and Nicole Hardman and CeeDee Lamb and continuing with Jerry Judy. Oh, my gosh, the list goes on and on. An excellent start for you at the wide receiver position. Matt, talk to me a little bit about what you did after C.D. Lamb and Terry McLaurin. You you, you sprinkled in some youth with those veteran guys that you can put in your starting lineup. Yeah, I added a little bit of an anchor as my wide receiver three with Jarvis Landry in the eighth round. I feel like that is still good value. I know he's getting older. I'll be uh, 27 this year, 28, something like that. Um, But, uh, you know, coming off 
a career highs in in yardage and in yards per reception. You know, fourteen point one yards per reception. He's no longer that guy in Miami where he only caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage, right? So I think he can do that again. I talked about last week about I'm excited about what Baker's going to do this year, and and I guess you have to factor in a little bit that what he did in 2019, what Jarvis Landry did in 2019 was you know with without Odell Beckham Beckham hanging around um, all season, you know, banged up with that. I think it was a hernia injury all season, so that's a little bit of concern, but I think that you know he has a rapport with Baker and he's he's basically a lock I think for 80 catches and a thousand yards so to be able to get that kind of anchor in your wide receiver core after going young early with those upside picks um, is kind of a nice benefit I think to, to, to kind of provide a nice floor for your uh, your team each week at that position and, and and while you're taking all those youth still allow you to kind of compete for a playoff spot in year one so I really like grabbing him in round eight this year uh, and then I went back to the youth not quite to the rookies uh, in round nine took Marquise Brown we talked about him last week Dan uh, just the upside that he presents again another guy who played hurt for most of last season so uh, I'm excited to see what upside comes from him uh, I think he could be a special player uh, not just be one of those deep ball guys like uh, he was kind of built as coming out um, and then the 10th round went back to wide receiver again with Deontay Johnson uh, I've, I've kind of been based based on their prices I've, I've kind of been more on James Washington than Deontay Johnson but you can't can't ignore the opportunity that he's going to have we don't really know what he's going to do with Ben Roethlisberger but the dynasty community in general is super high on Deontay Johnson right now and I think a 10th round a pick on him right now I think you could easily turn around and flip that um, for uh, a decent return if, if I wanted to go that route so kind of capitalizing on the market value of Deontay Johnson there uh, and then uh, went old uh, 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 again on the, my bench Emmanuel Sanders in the 15th round uh, super excited about him in New Orleans probably only a year or two of production for us but in that offense the ability to throw him in as a starter while Lamb or uh, Marquise Brown you know continue to de- develop to be able to throw him in as a, as a starter at this point um, in the 15th round I think is, is a worthwhile endeavor there. Yeah, I like how you you built that sprinkled in as I said earlier the those veterans along with that this youth that you're waiting to to kind of mature and and get ready for your starting lineup. Uh, nice values, of course. Whoever made up that rule that we can't pick the same players as we did le- last week, I can't recall who it was, but it's an <laughs> awful rule because I'm seeing you guys pick Hardman and and uh, Marquise Brown, and it just feels terrible because I, I can't dip into that value that you guys uh, kind of took advantage of. Of course, I mentioned earlier Cortland Sutton in round five. I took Terry McLaurin. In round six, and then after that, Ryan, I I kind of followed the the dynasty blueprint that you set forth earlier. If you, if you know what I mean, uh, it looks easy, but it's not. Uh, uh, I continue to go youth as well. In fact, in round seven, eight, and nine, I attacked those young wide receivers, really rookie wide receivers. In round seven, Justin Jefferson of the Vikings, a guy that that should get opportunities early and and if if he takes advantage of those opportunities could could really move up dynasty drafting boards and 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 really uh, uh be an asset to all of us uh although you're you're 
investing in him as kind of a cornerstone type player by using a seventh round pick. If you have the right team makeup, it feels like a good investment. It feels like a guy that you can build around in round seven. After that, I went with Jalen Rager in round eight, another guy with the, really the same situation, going to get early opportunities, should uh, should see the field quite often in a nice offense with a good quarterback, uh, an offensive-minded coach in this case, which which couldn't – could be great for Jalen Rager to get him in round eight and then Henry Ruggs in round nine, who I actually have ranked quite a bit higher than some of these other players. Uh, I'm high on Henry Ruggs, believe in his upside. That speed is going to be a weapon on the field. Kind of kind of that same thing as Mecole Hardman and, and why I like him and his upside uh, to be in Oakland or excuse me, to be in Las, Las Vegas. Um, in that offense with a, another coach that, that really likes to press the ball down the field and get creative seems like an obvious fit. Beyond those guys, uh, I continued to add young receivers. I added Brian Edwards, another Raider, in round 13. And then a guy that I think has sneaky upside, especially uh, considering considering the quarterback position, the coaching staff, everything happening in Chicago, Anthony Miller is sly. He's he's a guy that that has some upside as the second option, second pass catcher in Chicago. I added him in round 15. He's a guy I've been targeting in trades in the leagues where I wasn't able to get him a couple of years ago. Remember back when he was a rookie in training camp, he had that that big training camp, everybody was talking about him, had a nice rookie season, and then injuries kind of slowed him down in year two. Uh, he's healthy again, and he's going to be that wide receiver too. Nobody else in Chicago to to really get those targets. Miller is 100-plus targets, and no matter who the quarterback is, that's a guy you want on your team, a guy you can put in your flex spot. So we filled out all of our quarterbacks. We went over to tight end and filled that out, guys. Now we've all added a handful of wide receivers. Let's talk about these running backs that everybody wants on their teams. It's it's youth, youth, youth. You try to get those young guys with big upside. We all went quarterback in round one. Ryan, you went to the running back position in round two. I did, and I think... Zero running back used to be uh, a popular strategy, not only in redraft as, as Sean Siegel uh, popularized it, but I think it also worked in dynasty years ago. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think it would at this point, given the talent of uh, the running backs around the league and also given just their current ADP as as we've talked about that they're, they're going in the first round and the second round. Um, I, I do think a modified zero running back approach could work, meaning you take one running back early and then you wait. And that's what I did. I took Miles Sanders in the second round and then I waited a long time for my next running back. I like that pick of Sanders, Ryan. I know you've been a big fan of him throughout his young career in Philadelphia. What about Sanders makes him the guy once those once those other young running backs are gone and off the board in round one and early in round two, what makes Sanders the next best option? Well, I'm excited. I mean, we've, we've already seen uh, – I, I start to say we've seen his upside. I don't know that we have, but we've at least seen his floor, I think, as a rookie. Uh, and and there was certainly concern all offseason about them adding another piece that's still kind of out there. It's not a worry for me, though. I, I think he's the lead guy for sure. There are plenty of other 
young running backs in the second round, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Josh Jacobs and, and Nick Chubb all being drafted in that second round. I think Miles Sanders might have the highest upside of any of those guys. Couldn't agree more. I took Sanders a week ago in the single quarterback uh, exercise that we did. So he was off the board for me in this one. I I did pivot to one of those rookies. It's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think he was selected by Matt last week, and I like him for all the the reasons that he mentions. Uh, We're assuming PPR in this thing, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is perhaps the best pass catcher in this rookie class. He lands in an offense that uses those running backs in that way and has that creative uh, uh, play caller that'll use Clyde Edwards Hilaire the way he should be used. I really like the value that he offers, especially in these super flex leagues. Of course, I, I took Lamar Jackson in round one to be able to pair him with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, get two pieces or a piece of each of the two most dynamic offenses in the league. Feels like a really nice start to uh, to any draft, especially this uh, this super flex draft. Matt, you you waited one more round. You dipped into quarterback twice in rounds one and two, and then got some good value in round three at the running back position. Yeah, this is obviously the downside of taking back-to-back quarterbacks in the first two rounds in a super flex league is that you miss out on those those kind of proven producers at running back. Um, I, if, if I hadn't taken Dak in the second round, it would have been Miles Sanders, um, but I took Dak, so I had to go to another rookie in round three. At the end of round three, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, again, Brian talked about him last week. Uh, just uh, If I had to pick the landing spot and the rookie other than Edward Solaire and maybe even over Edward Solaire just because of his skill, his kind of, uh, you know, his, 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 his bigger ability, I think, better ability to, to be a between-the-tackles runner than Dobbins is that guy uh, in Baltimore just seems like a perfect fit mark ingram ahead of him but you know i think there's a chance that he either outplays him or or uh you you know obviously mark ingram is a 30 year old running back and could get hurt at any time so it's a little bit probably optimistic to have him as a starter right away at the beginning of the season uh but it's kind of hard to pass that up especially after uh uh, taking quarterbacks in the first two rounds so jk dobbins running back one for me at least in terms of where i drafted him at uh, in this exercise yeah, I did the same thing. After taking Clyde in round two, I went right back to running back because I planned ahead to get Joe Burrow in round four. There was room for another running back for me in round three. I took J.K. Dobbins for all those reasons that you mentioned as well. Matt, after after taking Dobbins in round one, there was probably a little bit of pressure to get somebody that could get some production for you in round, in, in year one. Uh, when I, when did you dip back into the running back position and add that guy that could could get on the field and create some points for your team? Well, I did go right back to, I know it's not like that on the sheet, just to confuse you, Dan, but in round four, I went back to running back with, with Cam Akers, and another rookie, of course, and, and he is somebody that I think is going to have production from day one. Uh, I guess a little bit of concern with the three-headed backfield there, potentially, but I think he's clearly the most talented of those groups, uh, of that group there in, in in Los Angeles, so I think I will get some production out of him in year one, uh, and then uh, a little bit later, this is probably my least favorite pick of the entire 
entire exercise, honestly, and David Montgomery in the seventh round. But, you know, they didn't really bring any, any competition in. Uh, Cohen had a, had a pretty down 2019, but I, I do think he's also a value in 2020 after his value has dipped and is certainly going to have that pass-catching role. But Montgomery, I think, is going to have the workload uh, on, a, on a team that, you know, again, I think I think they they want to run the ball more than they let on, especially with that quarterback situation. So I think Montgomery has at the very least uh, an argument to be had for him for as from a volume standpoint. And he's still young, second year player, twenty three years old. So um, I think I'm okay with him as kind of a running back to running back three flex kind of option there, and uh, he'll have the volume to do that. I think. Matt, I think I speak for all of us when I say it. he he was my my <laughs> least favorite of the group as yeah. well. Yeah. So you got Dobbins in round three and added Acres in round four. You got that young core to to build around, added Montgomery to potentially score some points in year one of this startup and then and then went back to running back late in the draft as well. Yeah, I also added Chase Edmonds in the sixteenth round. Uh I don't know. I just think the, the the hype on Kenyon Drake is getting kind of out of control now. He's certainly the starter there, but again, you know, someone who's going to have to sign a long term deal if uh, if he's going to stick around past uh, twenty past twenty twenty. And Edmonds in a limited role last season showed that he could produce once they 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 finally handed the ball over to him for one game. Uh, the starter roll over him to one of the game last year, 27 carries, 126 yards, three touchdowns uh, in week seven there against the Giants. I'm sure we all remember that game. Uh, so I think he has potential to not only have kind of whatever change of pace running back to value when they decide they want to get Drake off the field, but also a chance to take over that role should J- Drake get hurt or move on in, in 2021. So uh, in 16th round, I think that kind of upside is hard to pass up. Yeah, I like that pick for sure. Ryan, let's talk about your team build because after going Kyler and uh, getting Kyler in round one and adding Burrow in round four and Ben in round eight and then all those wide receivers that we talked about earlier on top of Miles Sanders in round two, you you waited on the running back position and added a trio of guys in the in the like teens that that could have upside and and potentially be in your starting lineup yeah as i said kind of a a modified zero rb approach uh with with the run one running back early in this case it's sanders and then waiting quite a while uh this time i waited until the 12th round before i took another running back uh and and when i do that i always try to focus on on pass catchers i think in general, they have a higher upside in PPR leagues, and I, I think I grabbed three guys here, all young running backs, uh, who could see some PPR upside, even though none of them are are the starters for their team. So in the twelfth round, I take Tariq Cohen, um, a, a down uh, twenty nineteen season for him, but still tons of upside. I'm I'm confident he will. Uh, regain some value and, and kind of bounce back in 2020. Antonio Gibson in round 13. We talked about him last week a lot. Of course, love uh, love his upside and, and what he could become. And in round 14, Tony Pollard, uh, who was kind of kind of been in the news a little bit more with yeah. the Ezekiel Elliott news. I imagine his ADP changes quite a bit in in july i i would i would think so yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. It certainly seems that I, way I'll, I'll take advantage yeah. now though yeah yeah take advantage while you get you're the guy in in the draft that waits 
on on your pick till the last second in case some news breaks, <laughs> and then you snatch up Tony Tony Pollard. That's what you you pulled it off brilliantly here, Ryan. Well, you know, you, you do. What I you hate can. that guy yeah, in the yeah. draft. <laughs> I'm not that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, certainly this, you're th- not. This time I am. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I mentioned that I took Clyde Edwards Alaire in round two and J.K. Dobbins in round three. I waited as well on grabbing that next running back. I took Sony Michelle, who we talked a little bit about last week. I'm a supporter, really, for the first time since he entered the league. It feels like a team that is going to build around defense. Belichick is going to hype those guys and and really try to play that ball control offense. That seems like it's made for Sony Michelle. If he can hold up, stay on the field, he's in line for 15-plus carries potentially, which isn't the norm in New England. We're used to seeing Tom Brady sling it. Uh, until they get ahead, and then after that, they mix in those running backs. If they indeed decide that that running the ball is their offense and, and try to do that ground-and-pound philosophy, work the ball down the field, and then when you get to the to the goal line, it feels like Michelle should be the guy that would get those opportunities. So it, it seems like Sony Michelle could have a little bit of a resurgence, potentially gain some of the value that he's lost over the last year or so. I'm willing to invest in that in the 10th round of a super flex startup. So I get him at running back three. Let's recap what we, what we did here, fellas, Matt, you were the guy that that invested in the two quarterbacks early, took some youth at running backs in in rounds three and four, continued to do so at wide receiver in the mid rounds before grabbing Goddard and Irv Smith, Jameis Winston as your third guy. You sprinkled in a little bit of veteran savvy guys that you can put in your starting lineup uh, throughout the uh, or, or throughout the draft as well. Uh, tell me about your philosophy and what you would do beyond the first 15 rounds to to kind of fill out the rest of your roster. Yeah, I would probably take another quarterback or two. This this build was was certainly quarterback centric, taking those two studs at the top. And uh, you know, it, it's a fun challenge to be able to fill in those those running backs and wide receivers when you do that. But uh, I've grown more and more in super flex leagues, playing it for five or six years now. That I just and, and I'm not saying it's the most optimal move because you do miss out on those running backs and wide receivers in rounds two and three if you go that route, take two of those top guys in, in the early rounds. Uh, but it's just it, it, it puts you so far out ahead, I think, than the other players if than the other players in your league if you if you hit right. And I think with guys with those top five, Mahomes, Dak, Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson, you're doing just that. Like two of those top five guys there, I think, really does distance yourself from the rest of the league now and and in the future. To be honest with you, I don't really see too many people on, on the ADP list and too many other quarterbacks on that list that have a chance to really jump into that top five over the next couple of years. Uh, I'm sure there will be a surprise like there is every year, but right now those two, those five seem pretty locked in for the next handful of years. So I'm going to go with that approach in, in most of my startups this off season. Uh, and then after that, it's filling in those running backs and wide receivers and, and punting tight end as long as, long as you can. Uh, you kind of have to be smart with where you're taking them. You don't want to, uh, you know, reach for an old running back just because he's going to have production in, in year one so, so that you can, uh, uh, you know, potentially compete in, in the first season. But there are guys in there again, like, 
David Montgomery, again, not the safest option, but somebody who's going to provide points every single week. Uh, so in the later rounds, after we get past the starters and the flex options, and again, for me, it's, it's all about the upside. Uh, and if I have gone super young at the wide receiver position, maybe I sprinkle in some veterans uh, like I did with Emmanuel Sanders. Um, and there's more of those guys even later in the draft. And, and then again, the same thing at tight end. If I've taken two, two upside guys like I did with Goddard and Irv Smith, who I think can start and be fine on a fantasy team in year one. Uh, but, you know, again, I might look to have a, at a veteran there like a Jack Doyle or something, just uh, a Jared Cook, something just to get me points for year one and keep me in, in the running for that title uh, uh, or at least a playoff spot in the first year of a startup. So pretty similar, uh, pretty similar build, I think, towards t- for one quarterback league for me, except for I'm really focusing heavy on those quarterbacks. Yeah, you did it a little bit more than Ryan and I did. Ryan, you you overall did invest heavily in the quarterback position. Kyler in round one, then went to Joe Burrow in round four and finished things off with Ben Roethlisberger in round eight. Got a lot of youth at the other positions beyond that, but I imagine would continue to think about the quarterback position if this exercise continued. Yeah, I would uh, be on round... uh... 14, 15, I would certainly keep looking for quarterbacks. I think that's always a winning strategy to pile up those quarterbacks and uh, hopefully wait for them to gain value and and then make a move from there. So always looking for quarterback values. But with with my specific team build here, I I do feel good about quarterback long-term, definitely feel good about wide receiver. That's the strength of my team. I like my two tight ends, so I would really just keep kind of firing darts at the running back position and and with the uh, with the zero rb or modified zero rb that's that's what you have to do and i mean luckily there's there's a lot i still like in round 15 naheem hines uh duke johnson damian harris joshua kelly lynn bowden chase edmonds those are all guys just in round 15 or 16 that i would target and there's there's others later than that um so that's that's kind of the idea to try to use the volume to make up for the lack of uh i guess top heavy production or or reliability there yeah so sprinkling in uh uh, some other positions along with those running backs that you're trying to hit on maybe a lot of those like third round type rookie running backs those those are all beyond round 15 those also mix in you mentioned a couple of them with Bowden and others myself I I went with the with, with the two quarterbacks in the first four rounds Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow in between sandwich between those two quarterbacks I took Clyde Edwards Hilaire and J.K. Dobbins tried to get youth at wide receiver Cortland Sutton Terry McLaurin Justin Jefferson continued the trend with Jalen Rager and Henry Ruggs and then sprinkled in a couple tight ends with Dallas Goddard and Irv Smith Jr. Um, couldn't couldn't say say more about the philosophy here continue to grab youth continue to look for that upside just like you guys mentioned uh, there's so much of it it's so deep right now we only did 15 rounds and as I'm sure you guys did, you continue to look at round 16, 17, all the way down to 20, and maybe even beyond that, Ryan. There's so much talent, especially in these super flex leagues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like we've talked about it uh, throughout the show that uh, players that you would normally target in the eighth, ninth, tenth round of, of that one quarterback format, they're falling because now there's 
there's not just a handful of quarterbacks being drafted ahead of them, but there, there might be 20 quarterbacks drafted that early. And, and it just kind of feels like Christmas when these guys are falling in your laps in the, in the middle rounds. Matt, was there something that you learned? We, we spent a couple of weeks talking about team building and how we, we look at ADP and, and try to try to take advantage of that ADP and where players are falling. Is there something that really sticks out to you as something you learned? What did you learn from me? <laughs> uh, I, I learned that the, the seventh round in a super flex league sucks. So you might as well just take David Montgomery. <laughs> no, uh, 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 no, I mean, it, it super flex is just such a fun format and there's so many ways to approach team building in it. Uh, and you know, it, it, we didn't do it in this exercise, but you can make it even even more varied. You know, give give your the people in your league even more ways to win uh, by adding things like tight end premium, uh, uh, running back. You, you know, you, you can increase the value in them in, in multiple different ways, points per carry or whatever. So, uh, I guess this isn't really a takeaway from this specific draft, but as I was building this team, those were the thoughts I was having. You know, you could make these decisions even more difficult and make this exercise that we did the last two weeks even more valuable by adding more variables to it you know making yourself again choose let's have a two points per reception for tight end then you've got to consider one of those guys early you know so uh that was what was on my mind as we went through the super flex thing is just just adding more and more ways to your league uh for for people to build title winning winning teams you know more options is always good in, in in fantasy and in life right so make make more complex leagues let's get a let's get away from the one quarterback start two start three start one format and start building some unique leagues with 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 multiple ways to win more options equals more fun yeah yeah you did it with red list three we're all enjoying that ryan and i are vampires you are as well ryan anything that you pulled away from this exercise over the last couple weeks really just kind of what we've talked about previously specifically with the super flex position just the depth of uh, the depth of the wide receiver position and you can build around that position without focusing on it in the early rounds you know looking back at my specific team a, a wide receiver in the third and then waiting until the fifth to take another yet that's the strength of my team in, in my opinion so uh, it's we, we've talked about it a lot this offseason, actually, and, and really the whole community has is, is how the wide receiver position is changing, that it is it's so deep and uh, in some ways it's flat, but you can still pick out uh, the guys that you believe are going to gain value. Fellas, this was a lot of fun. We spent a couple weeks talking about team building, and uh, we had the opportunity to build these teams and and kind of kind of play with it. Ryan, I think it was last week that you mentioned it's a little like DFS. You know the price of every player. You got to build the optimal roster. I think I can speak for all of us when I say this is a fun exercise and worthy of spending a little bit of time on. If you have a super flex, single quarterback, tight end premium, any kind of draft, startup draft coming up, go look at that DLF ADP over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. You can customize that ADP. Take a good hard look at it. Try to build your optimal team. Find those strengths and weaknesses, those peaks and valleys in your draft, and try to find those places you want to you want to add extra picks. Maybe the spots where you want to trade back and get out of that spot. Do that ahead of time. Put in the time. Do the preparation, 
and you will uh, you'll you'll build that optimal team that that team that at the end of it uh, you feel really good about the both short term and long term upside. Guys, we covered a lot of players. We we certainly uh, had a lot of fun during this exercise. Uh, for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.